Hey everyone, welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu and I'm your host, and today I'm joined by a very, very special guest. Uh, his name is Andreas Markish. Andreas, how's it going tonight, man? Very good, my friend. Very good. It's uh, definitely beautiful to hear your amazing voice to see you. You're so just <laughs> gorgeous and uh um, you're a very, very dear friend of mine. So I'm, uh, I'm happy to do this. I'm honored, um, that you asked me and invited me to be a guest. I am. Well, thank you for the gorgeous compliment. Uh, I don't get that too often. Um, but I, I am absolutely honored to have you on. Uh, it's something that I've been like, I always had the back of my mind, like, Oh, I got to have Andreas on at some point. Uh, but it's just like, I feel like now is like the perfect time, especially since we just uh, saw each other uh, in San Antonio a couple of weeks ago. But thank you so much for agreeing to be on here. I'm excited for this episode. It's it's a little more seasonal, appropriate to the the time of the release of this episode. So I think a lot of people will be encouraged by that. But before we jump into um, anything, uh, I do want to make a couple of announcements. Uh, first of all, you can follow us on our Instagram at the Potter's House. Uh, you can reach us there either through the email um, or direct messaging or whatever you whatever you want. Um, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Also, if you have an iPhone, please go to the Apple Podcast app, that purple icon, click it, scroll down, tap the stars. Uh, it really, really helps with the exposure of the show. So if you haven't done it yet, please do so. Also, if you want to leave a written review, I would really appreciate that. And I also read those live here uh, on the episode. And this week we do have a new one and I will read it. And uh, it is written by Karina Brookover uh, with the subject line being spiritually provoking. And this is her, her review. I heard about the Potter's House through my friend Narcis. The podcast was so well done. The topics were so well presented. It left me with pages of notes and having to listen to this more than once to hear the richness again. Thankful for the yes of both the host and guests because this podcast has God behind it. Well, thank you so much, Karina. I really appreciate that uh, that review. And uh, I appreciate all the support from not only you, but all of you guys out there. Um, it's really encouraging week by week. So if you want to have your review written out, that's what you got to do. Go to the Apple Podcast app, write that there, and also tap the stars. doesn't take a lot of work, but it really helps with the show. So with that being said, uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. But before we start with the topic of this week, Andreas, for those for the very few people out there that don't know you, the very few people out there who don't know you, <laughs> um, why don't you introduce yourself, talk about yourself, uh, where you're at, where you come from, uh, just any little thing you want to share. Absolutely, man. Uh, well, my name is Andreas Marches, a.k.a. Dre Money, a.k.a. Dre, um, as many people know me. Um, I'm in San Antonio right now um, at uh, Bethany Romanian Pentecostal Church. I'm serving here as one of the youth leaders. Uh, I met my beautiful wife three, four, three years ago in 2018. Uh, we got married. She moved me from Chicago here. Um, we have a son. God has blessed us with him he is uh nine months old and then we have another one expecting so the lord is good he is way too good far more than i deserve um i've been in ministry i would say for about six years and a half now since i've been 19 years old that's when god called me to the mission field um and that's how my life uh with the lord started that's how my path towards ministry started um all in a little town of oyugis kenya and um after that, I would just say basically it's history, man. 
Yeah, and uh, what's crazy is that you were very involved with uh, God Will Provide as well, uh, just like Brian was, a few who I talked to a few weeks back. And um, you know, that, that's that's a very rich part of your background and how you got involved with ministry. So uh, we probably won't really talk, if I'm guessing, I don't know, maybe you will, but we probably won't really, won't really touch on, on that subject. But uh, it's cool to highlight, um, you know, considering the connections that we that we have here. But uh, Andreas, thank you for sharing that. I'm excited for this. And, um, you know, this week, because this, so we're recording in the middle of, uh, you know, this this Holy Week, this Praise Week, this Passion Week in between um, Palm Sunday and Easter, and uh, this will be our Easter special, and um, I reached out to you because I know, obviously, you know you know your stuff, uh, you, you're, a, you're a leader, you, you preach uh, quite often, and um, I was thinking, and I've heard from a lot of people that, that, that may not necessarily know the, the true significance of this holiday that we celebrate and to be honest we as we as a a festive romanian culture and i'm sure a lot of christians out there uh tend to prefer christmas over easter just because uh i don't know the the times that we're in maybe it's the weather uh which i mean if you love that that freezing cold weather you, you must be crazy uh maybe it's the food maybe it's the fellowship maybe it's the family the friends uh but a lot of times we don't we kind of gloss over this this really important celebration that we have in the spring every single year and that's why i wanted to spend this time and this episode as we're in the middle of this week as we're approaching thursday good friday and then sunday I want to talk about the importance of why we celebrate this and just specific key things that we really need to remind ourselves. So, Andreas, I'm going to give you the reins here. Uh, I'm going to let you get started, and uh, yeah, and then we'll go from there. Absolutely, man. I think it's uh, probably one of the most crucial things to a Christian man's walk, to a um, to a believer's walk with the Lord, is to understand the meaning behind um, Easter, um, which uh, honestly. Um, it plays probably the greatest role in our life. Um, it's the reason why we're here. It's the reason why we're standing. It's the reason why we're doing what we're doing. And to be quite honest with you, is the reason why I'm in ministry. It's because of Easter. It's because of what Christ has done for us. So um, we definitely should take a deeper look at what these things mean that we celebrate. For the Romanians out there, like in the culture, it's understood why Christmas is far more important than that because they were raised with caroling. They were raised with going to church like five times a week. I don't know how like <laughs> we do it, you know? Um, and um, even in the American culture, it's just that idea of um, Christmas getting so much more uh, advertised rather than Easter. Um, but when it comes to the importance of a, of a believer, I believe they're right there together of, uh, in, in, our, in the importance of it. Um, because obviously Christ had to come um, in order to die, you know, <laughs> so they're equal. You can't really compare them in that. Um, but what it means to someone's life, uh, I think that's when Easter really, really takes the um, really, really takes just the, the, the glass and you're looking closer. You're looking deeper in it because um, Easter makes you reflect upon your life and reflect upon yourself. Uh, Christmas is really most of what Christ did for you in the sense of he came, he died, it's joyous, um, there's peace on earth, there's goodwill to man. 
um, you know, and all this like just caroling type of stuff, you know, people out there cheering and uh, the Jewish people are already celebrating, you know, that the Messiah has been born for those that believe that for those that didn't, obviously they didn't care. They wanted to kill him like the king. Uh, but it's just this idea of it, like being a joyous season, you know, as in comparison to Easter, where it's more of a, uh, a season that's just quite contrary to that. <laughs> it's a season where you have to um, think about the death of Jesus Christ, that he took your cross, that um, he took your sins. He took everything upon that cross. And that's where it comes important, where you have to reflect to your life, because if we were to be truly honest to ourselves, um, the meaning of it and uh, the power of Easter would be felt in our every single day lives, um, not just uh, in the first week of April, um, but it has to be something that it's felt uh, every single day. Why? Because you take that reflection, you take that time to reflect it by yourself, to realize that you are a sinner, you are in need of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But the beauty about it is the fact that though he died three days later, he resurrected and now he still lives for you. Um if there's anything you want to say to that. No, and, I, and you make a, a very solid point there. And because because when we're talking about Christmas, we do recognize kind of like everything about Jesus, him him being born and then living and then his, his three and a half years of ministry died, resurrected, and then eventual ascension to heaven. Um, but, but for Easter, it, it's a little more personal to us where, where yeah, for Christmas, we're celebrating peace on earth and uh, a chance for redemption or a savior and um, or you know maybe a political leader as the people uh, as we read for for the Palm Sunday passages the the people in Jerusalem were were seeking a, a political leader to to overthrow the Roman regime yeah. but um, this is a little more personal this is something that we have to every single day uh, every single day we have to pick up our own cross not just on Easter where Jesus picked up exactly his own cross. and Exactly. And what, what, uh, what Apostle Paul did so good is he, um, he brought in communion, not Apostle Paul, Jesus Christ brought it in, but he mentioned and he said, do this in remembrance of me, break the bread, you know, so we kind of we should have that Easter meaning in the sense uh, for us Romanians when we take communion at the beginning of every month, you know, uh, but even that time and that's that's the issue with what happened on Palm Sunday in the scriptures and what happened during Easter. Um, in the scriptures as well, is that they took it kind of like as just a religious uh, ceremony that they forgot the meaning behind it. They looked at the festival of it and kind of like what we're doing with communion, you know, and many times I have to reflect to myself that when I take that bread, that when I drink that, that it truly reflects the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for me and the blood that poured for me to free me. If I don't do that, then I'm no different than those that wanted a religious leader, those that wanted somebody to be uh, placed as a king so they could be free, because that's technically what we're doing when we take that communion, that we just want that religious leader to be up there. We want somebody that's going to free us from all of our addictions, from all of our issues and our pains and our trials and struggles. But then there's no deeper meaning behind it where we reflect to it ourselves. And that's why I think it's so important to, to take communion. Obviously, if you're, if you're in the right, if you're if you don't have any um, issues with other people or anything, just as the Bible prescribes, but it's important to have the remembrance on a regular basis because that is quite essential to our salvation, um, the, the, the death exactly, and the resurrection. Exactly. And what, what some Romanian churches do is they even offer it to you. They say, if, if you haven't made that right, you know, then 
you can remain seating so we know how to make the difference between people who wants to take communion or not. But to me, that's just, those are prideful people because they don't want to acknowledge their sin. If they want to acknowledge their sin, they would realize the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They would take that communion and they would be made right with. If they wronged someone, they would acknowledge their pride inside of them, go apologize to that person, make it right. But they don't want to do that. They would rather miss out on this important reflection upon your heart and kind of like going back to that repentance that we need, you know, uh, going back to just coming with a heart of repentance to Christ saying, Hey God, I acknowledge the fact that I wronged my brother and uh, I, I reflect upon my life. And now I must take this cup. I must take uh, uh, this bread and, and uh, eat with it because I realize the state that I'm in. It's one that only these two things can set me free of, which is the bread and the uh, and the wine is not necessarily those things, just the significance behind it. Because you are humiliating yourself, you are humbling yourself so much that you're acknowledging the fact that you need Christ for your father. Not live with the pain, with the agony. Will you not live with just the uh, uh, the burden some of carrying that weight of people not forgiving you? You know, you would want to be free of it. So that's why you say, okay, I acknowledge my state. I want that freedom, you know, and I think especially in our culture, and I know I'm probably going to get some backlash for this, but I think there's a lot of prideful people that don't want to admit their sins, their state. They don't want to admit the fact that the position they're in, they would rather live with that, um, kind of like the rich young ruler. He would yeah. rather live with his money and miss out on salvation, you know, uh, even though it was one thing that he needed to let go of to empty that void. Um, it's one thing that we need to let go of, I believe, as a community, as a culture. It's one thing that most people need to let go of is that pride, that pride of life that that uh, even Apostle James speaks about, um, that we have to let go of um, when we come to communion, when we come to Easter, even when we come to Christmas, we have to understand the fact that, man, even on Christmas time, it's a beautiful thing that we have to reflect upon ourselves that um, we needed Christ to come down on this earth, the Son of God, you know, to be born for us. That's how wicked we were. So regarding this this communion thing, because I, I see two sides to it. I see the people, kind of like how you were mentioning, who don't want to let let go of whatever they have or resolve whatever issue they have, and then they, they kind of forsake communion for that month. And mo- you, most people don't really come to church on communion if they're not going to take it because... I think that's a bit, yeah. they typically have too much pride for that. They kind of like miss the service and have people assume that they're out of town or so. I don't know what it is, but, um, but don't you think it's uh, just as bad? Not, if not probably, no, I mean, it's of course worse that for those people who are still holding on to those unresolved issues and then they're just pretending like everything's all right and still taking, taking communion. Cause we're going to be, we're going to be greatly judged for that. The Bible says so. Yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that's uh, that's just as bad, if not even more bad. Why? Uh, because that's exactly what the Pharisees did. That's exactly what this religious people did. And it's so powerful that Jesus Christ, in one of the gospel, he says, "If your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, then you can enter the kingdom of God." So on the outer works, they had all the righteousness out there. They were fasting. They were fulfilling the law. They were obeying the law. They did all the works that needed to be done. Though the motives inside of the heart. And that's where it goes back to Easter and Palm Sunday and Christmas and all these stuff and communion as well. The motives behind their heart was just complete wrong. Um, it was wrong motives. They were doing it with uh, 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 with pride. They were doing it with envy. As soon as Christ came in uh, into the picture, all they cared about is the fact that he wasn't obeying the Sabbath. 
they couldn't understand that the Lord was the Sabbath. He was the Lord of the Sabbath, he is called. Um, they didn't want to understand that. They decided to look at the religious pictures and the religious things that not necessarily Christ wasn't doing, but that they weren't seeing. They weren't seeing that because it, as the prophecy said that they were blind. They would be blind and they wouldn't see. They would walk blindly. And uh, woe are those who are blind and lead those that are blind as well, you know, uh, kind of in the darkness. So uh, they were just living in that life where everything has become a, a, a religious act, a tradition, uh, just a way of living. And I have to be very careful because even when it comes to the subjects of tradition and habits, um, I believe there's good habits and bad habits. Um, I believe that us as a generation, my age, your age, uh, we are very quick to say, oh, uh, the Romanians are this or that community is that. They have these traditions, these habits. Uh, we would rather not weigh in on what's good and what's bad. We find Jesus Christ to have habits. When he was breaking bread after it multiplied uh, and he fed 5,000 people, when he was breaking the bread, it said that he broke the bread as it was his habit of doing it. So we see Christ having habits. So we have to be very, very careful in that subject of it, you know, uh, because it's good to go to church. But now if you make that a habit without realizing the heart behind you going to church, then that's a bad habit, you know. Uh, but um, they had this habit of just worshiping God, but living a life that was away from him, that was completely contrary. And you could see what they did out of the temple of God. We just celebrated Palm Sunday. Christ was going in on this donkey. And once he gets to the uh, to the walls of Jerusalem, once he gets uh, passed into the inner city, he just starts weeping. And after that, he goes into the temple. You can see what they turned the temple of God in. That was the place that was supposed to signify the presence of God. Yet they made it into a den of thieves. For them, it was just habits. They were going to the temple every day as a habit, but hidden behind it, it was to fulfill their satisfaction, their pleasure, to make money. Um, and uh, that's the, the the impact. And that's the thing that we have to be very, very careful to do as a church, as a community, as a generation, is we have to do weigh in on the habits, tradition, and cultures. But we also have to make sure the heart behind it. When you combine those two, I believe you turn into something so beautiful. You turn into something that uh, um, is biblical, in my personal opinion. And we know it, it all comes down to the heart. And the word tells us that we cannot serve two masters. If our, if our heart is not a heart of God, it is right. a it is a heart of the enemy. And um, this is this is kind of like a question. This is not not necessarily a question, but just a crazy thought to have where. We have on Palm Sunday, like you said, Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. People are singing Hosanna. They're 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 happy. They're joyous. And then, not four or five days later, they they crucify him. So, which I think is like I, obviously we know it all comes from the heart and the habit. But I think it's it's almost absurd. Like wow, how can it how can it turn that quickly? How can it turn that drastically? But um, kind of from your perspective. What would you say is probably the main few th reasons why um, the hearts of because you know the Romans were there uh, and obviously and they 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 yeah. ruled over there they had they had Pilate over there as the reigning governor uh, but it was the Jews uh, the the Pharisees the, the the spiritual leaders in this hierarchy are the ones that really pushed pushed forward um, but but how does that happen in a few days in, in, from your perspective? Well, the the interesting part about that is that Palm Sunday, what it actually signified is that 
it had fallen on the year of Nissan that year. And what it was supposed to represent, and they knew this, they knew this, but um, they were so blind by their religious works. They were so blind by, uh, by their way of living and what they thought was right, what they were taught as children, what they were brought up in, um, that they were so blinded that they couldn't see that. Because when Christ came and he, he was actually fulfilling prophecies that said he would enter in on the donkey, but not only defied a lamb or a sacrifice that was ready to go to the temple. And they couldn't even see that pass behind their pride and their envious. Because as we know from the Gospels, they were envious of what Christ was doing and his work and his mission. They became envious of him because he started to gather followers. He started to see the works. They became envious of him because his popularity started to grow. And we know from uh, previous chapters and previous uh, stories in the Bible, Christ does not want to be made Lord King by force. There was one where they wanted to do it by force and think that behind all these reason, uh, reasons why they did it, it was a heart that was so focused on themselves that it was so focused on their works and their religious actions they could they could no longer acknowledge that maybe they could be wrong um all they had to say is man what if this is the messiah what if this is the one that is to come but they weren't willing to look past certain things and this didn't this didn't just start on palm sunday this was previous there was a, a there was a a blind man since birth that was healed by christ and when Christ has healed him, he goes back and the Pharisees starts to question him. And when they start to question, I believe it's in John chapter 8 or chapter 9. And when the Pharisees starts to question him, they start to point the fact of like, who is this man that healed you? Who did he heal you? And then they went even to the point where they didn't believe that he was blind all the way from birth. All because this man was healed on, on, on Sabbath. <laughs> they were holding on to like the law and the religious ways so much that they couldn't acknowledge that Christ was fulfilling the prophecy that Isaiah said, that the blind will see, that the sick will be healed, you know. Um, they decided not to see that. And that's what's so crazy is that so many times we can be focused on what we're doing. We can be focused on how much we're serving the church, how much we're serving God, how many religious actions and works we do for him that we forget the true meaning behind it. And we have so many questions of how can this happen? How can God do that? Why did he do it on that day and not on that day? Why did he heal that guy and not that guy? When it comes down to the point of it, okay, what's my state actually? All they had to do was ask themselves instead of put fear into people because that's what they did. The Pharisees were so good at doing that. They did that to the, the blind man's parents. They put fear into them to the point where they said, you know what? Why don't you ask him? He's of age. Who, who healed them and who this Jesus guy is because they were afraid that they would be kicked out of the synagogue and they cared about, they even implemented on the people to care so much about the synagogue, the temple, while they were making the temple into the den of thieves. Like they didn't look at the inside of the matter. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's just, I, it is a matter of the heart, but there's so much going on in the middle of it that religion can be one of those things where, um, if you hold on to it, you could be going down the most legalistic path that you've ever been part of, and you won't even realize it. Uh, because um, if you want to admit it or not, personally, I will, and I, I'll have all the courage and boldness to say this. Uh, sometimes I have a little too much of that. I believe religion comes with a lot of pride. Um, 
And when Christ comes in, that's the beauty of Christ. When he comes in, he comes in humble. It would have been prideful, all prideful for Christ to ride in on a horse. But mm-hmm. it was so humble, the fact that he rode in on the donkey. Um, he was so different than the picture that they expected, especially a picture of the Romans that had conquered them. I'm pretty sure all the Roman soldiers who were too tired to walk around, they would ride around in horses and white stallions, white mustangs, bro. Come on, I would ride around a horse, you know, not a donkey. <laughs> um, so that's what they were doing. And then they see this guy that apparently he calls himself the Messiah and they're supposed to believe him when he's walking in on a donkey. Like, no, you know, and uh, another, another great aspect to see just how religious they were and how much they were thinking about that is even after Christ ascended, if you read in Acts chapter 1, the angel comes and he tells them, why are you staying and you're looking and you're gazing up into heaven? <laughs> because all their quick question was, is this the time when they would restore Jerusalem? <laughs> so Christ literally ascended and all they cared about was still Jerusalem, was still the temple, was still the city of God. They didn't just care about the fact that Christ said, go and make disciples of all nations, you know. <laughs> and uh, he even told them, I will give you, I will not leave you orphans, but I will give you a power. And that's just the crazy part of so many times we can be focused on the things of the outside when in our hearts, we're, we're dead of thieves, you know? It's funny because um, I've, I've heard a sermon before, a Palm Sunday sermon about, you know, it's Jesus riding in on the donkey, but it's the perspective of the donkey. What was the donkey thinking as as he's carrying Jesus on his back into into the holy city with all these people with their flowers and palms and whatever and and the sermon basically says the donkey probably thought all that celebration was for him. He thought he was yeah, getting praised. Yeah. He thought he was being celebrated. <laughs> and the connection, because obviously that's kind of a kind of a out out there statement, but the connection to that is like we're I mean we're servants of God here. We 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 serve Jesus Christ. And sometimes when we're when we're acting on the will of God and we're we're following the path that He's paved for us we kind of take all the credit. We think it's for us. We think the praise is yeah. for us. We think it's, oh, it's all about us. Oh, it must have been me. It must have been by my strength and my own righteousness or it must have been by my own intelligence that I was able to accomplish this, this, and that. But at this, but we have, we have to understand that there's we have a Savior that's walking right beside us, that is strengthening us, that is, that is there for us. And that kind of just totally exactly. rebutes what the whole, the perspective of the Pharisee in those four days that we're talking about. Exactly. And that's that's the beautiful picture that when, when Christ rode in on that donkey, um, that donkey could have been all pampered, you know, could have walked cat cat model style, catwalk, you know, and just <laughs> been like it's all about him. But the actions that that happened before that, it showed how much God cared about the donkey and it showed the fact that they were willing to lay uh clothes. It says that they put their clothes on the donkey and then Jesus sat on the donkey after that. They did that because if you don't put anything on a donkey, he starts to get sore. He's, he starts to get calluses. He starts to get uh, chalves, you know. So he cared so much that he even went back to, in Matthew chapter 11, at the end of the chapter, I believe verse 30, where it says, uh, uh, for my yoke is light and my burden is easy. And he didn't want to make a heavy burden, a heavy laden for the donkey. All he wanted for the donkey to do was just to ride him in, you know. And not something that it's easy. And that's the difference of religion. See, um, 
many times religious people when they when they go on a donkey they don't care about that they would hurt you they would bring you down they would make you weary it would make you heavy laden and that's the picture that christ was trying to to show the fact that it was making it heavy laden on them when he said my uh my yoke is light and my burden is is easy you know is the fact that religion and with the pharisees the laws that they couldn't even live up to um it was just making it for them a head and a heavy burden. And Christ wanted to, to show a picture that was so, so different than that. He rode on a donkey that was never ridden before. So he the donkey had all the reasons to be all proud and whatnot. But personally, I believe that the beauty of the entire thing is the fact that so many people, so many people um, do that regularly. We do that where we're used by God for the first time. And all Christ wants to do is continue using you. He will not make you heavy laden. He will not make you a heavy burden. He will be so so light on you, so easy on you. All you have to do is just allow him to use you and guide you by the scriptures, by the word of God, by the Holy Spirit that lives in us, you know. And uh, once we do that, once we do that, we truly get to go into the next phase, which is cleaning your temple, which is what Christ did when he entered Jerusalem. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's 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 the whole that was the situation at the beginning of the week and how, how that was established. But um, regarding the Good Friday and Easter, the, the these two holidays that come hand in hand, um, which one represents the crucifixion and death of Jesus Christ. And then the next one, uh, the, the resurrection of Christ. What is the we know that it's important. Maybe we don't know how how right. important it is, or maybe we don't know what the significance is of these two things that we celebrate, both the death and the resurre- resurrection of Jesus Christ. So uh, for the people out there who are listening, maybe vast majority of them may understand this concept already, but for those who are maybe not versed enough in the Word of God or maybe new believers, wh- whoever it may be, what is the true significance of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and why, sh- why should we hold it near and dear to our heart? I'll be very honest with you. Once you told me about this topic, I believe it was last week, I started to, to, and this is not just to boast about myself or to do any of that. No, I started to pray about it, to think about it, to fast about it, just what it actually means for myself. And um, Easter, yes, it's about the fact that Christ was crucified and resurrected on the third day. Correct. We all know that. But many times we've become so indifferent to it. And this is, the powerful thought that came to mind as I was thinking about this. We started to think at the fact that Christ resurrected just then and lives just then. But the powerful picture and why Easter and the crucifixion and the resurrection is so, so meaningful and powerful to us today is the fact that Christ is alive today. We have this idea that the Bible is a story of the past and what happened in the past you can't see it right now uh we have this idea the fact that um the red sea being split uh doesn't really help in that at at all because we don't see a sea being split anymore you know um that somebody walked on water like peter you don't see that anymore you know i tried myself and i fell in the bathtub like you don't (laughs) see these things anymore but that kind of just paints the picture of we become indifferent to it when somebody says, "Oh yeah, Christ has resurrected," in Romania it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Christos ambiat, you know, Christ has resurrected, and then you respond with, "Indeed, he he has," you know, "Indeed, he is alive, he is resurrected." 
And we've gone so monotone, so repetitive in saying that, that we believe that he was just alive 2,000 years ago. That's the only time. But no, Christ is living today. And it's beautiful because in Romans 8.34, it says that Christ who died, more than that, he was raised to life, now is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. So he's so alive that he is literally in the midst of the Father and you. That's how alive he is. And so many times, that's how it goes back to that religious, you know, that we spoke about before. That's how it goes back to that fact that you're focused on the outside we are so focused on the outside of hey christ is alive there's resurrection but we forget the fact that you and i can only say that because christ is interceding for us at that exact moment when i went onto the mission field in kenya and excuse me in 2019 it was christ interceding for me pushing me to go there um, when uh, when I got healed after that when, uh, from uh, from typhoid and poison food uh, poison uh, 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 food poisoning, um, it was Christ interceding for me. When Christ called me after that to Austria to all these places, when even Christ called me to San Antonio, it was Christ interceding for me. But not only then, because that's the picture of the big stuff, you know. Christ intercedes for us, man. Every time we go to repent, every morning that we wake up and we breathe in the air of God and we realize, my goodness, I have life because of God, because of the grace that Jesus Christ has for me. That is literally Christ interceding for you. And that's the powerful picture about Easter is the fact that once we understand that it actually means that Christ is alive today in March 29, uh, 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 29th, uh, 2021, Christ is alive today, you know, and whenever they were here, this Christ is alive that day. If we live by the grace of God and he's interceding, um, that's what God has placed on my heart. When, when you started to, 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 um, to mention to me, the topic of it is the fact that Christ is alive today. And that's, that's a, that's an amazing statement you made there because I don't think I ever thought of it in, in, in that way where, uh, like you, you mentioned the the passage in, in Romans eight uh, thirty four about Christ sitting at the right hand of God interceding on our behalf. He, he didn't just intercede once on the cross for us. He didn't just intercede um, when in these big milestones in our lives or these big crossroads. But he's inter- interceding every time we, we repent, every night, every morning. As soon as it comes to our mind as believers that hey, I should probably repent for this. Christ, it's literally like he's right there interceding on our behalf and i think i think that's such an amazing and profound statement that exactly that's just a whole that just brings things in a whole new light how when you say he is risen indeed it's not he has risen indeed he is risen and he's he is still alive today and he's still working exactly. today exactly I, I love I, I love that statement that you made man that was, that was exactly awesome. and if we don't do that if we don't say that statement if we don't live that statement and i'll be honest that goosebumps all over my body right now if we don't say those and proclaim those statements out loud then we are no different than the Pharisees and the religious people that put him on that cross. Why? Because the moment that you believe that you are alive by your works, the moment that Andreas believes that he can preach, that he can go and he can heal, that he can go on mission trips, that even if Andreas can get married, Andreas can't even think that far. The moment that Andreas thinks that he can have a baby out of his own works or, or the good deeds, I'm no different than the Pharisee. But the beautiful thing is when you look at Christ, that's why the picture of the donkey is so powerful. He's so humble. He's so meek. When you take that meek and that humble picture to look at yourself, to say, man, I am nothing. 
I am literally a donkey. I am not a horse right now <laughs> because horses are proud. You know, they get up on their two feet like they just conquered. You, we all know that great picture of Napoleon, you know, on the white stallion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> his, horse name, his horse's name is called, I think it was called Marengo or something. Like that. It's pretty sick. But that's us Christians, you know, like, oh, look at me, you know, like I'm such a great guy. I'm such a great horse. You know, no, you're not. You know, uh, you're just a nobody that Christ decided to pick up make into a, a powerful man of God, a powerful woman of God, raise you up. And now if you don't say that, you're still believing that you're covered by your righteousness <laughs> and you're living contrary to the entire gospel. But when you believe that Christ is alive today, that he's interceding for you, you are saying to yourself, okay, it's not my righteousness. <laughs> it's not my works. There is a reason at this and that is Christ. That's why he intercedes for us because it's his blood that covers us. He covers us and it makes us righteous. And he comes and intercedes with us with the Father. But the moment the blood is taken off, we're going back to the Old Testament, bro. <laughs> we're mm -hmm. going back to just there's no connection between us and the Father because of sin. And the blood of Christ comes and literally like a blanket just covers us. And we have to live in that acknowledgement of, hey, you know, Andreas is, is, is a messed up dude. <laughs> He's a sinner. I cannot get up every morning by my own strength, by my own power. And us Christians, we have this, we have this tendency. Um, we trust the delay. Um, we trust the delay just the virgins who did, uh, who did not want to fill up their lamps with oil. <laughs> they trusted in the delay of the groom. They said, you know what? The groom didn't come back yesterday, so he's not coming back today. So why should I fill up my oil? <laughs> If you read in the scriptures, especially in the book of Acts, uh, one of the most powerful messages is repent for the kingdom of God is near. But that message comes to life when you truly decide to believe that Christ is alive today. I woke up because of Christ. I am alive because of him. He intercedes now for me. And now you understand the urgency of the gospel. Absolutely. And, uh, the whole thing, like, like you mentioned, you, you take you take away the blood of Jesus Christ, and we're back in Old Testament times because of what? Because of the sin that separates us from God. And I recently heard a message about it was it was an Easter centric message uh, about about the crucifixion of Christ and and the day the night before when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And and uh, we know we know in John seventeen when he's praying in the garden, he's asking God, you know, if there's any other way. If there's any other way, but by not my, not my will, but your will be done. So, and basically his his statement that the, the preacher was basically saying, Jesus wasn't. I mean, yeah, no no human wants to go through that pain and through that suffering, that the physical pain, and the physical suffering. But because Jesus had to take on, because he was the spotless and blameless Lamb of God, he was the only one that qualified to take all of our sin on. And because he did that, and we know when he was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment when he took, when he took all that sin, there was, there was this separation from God. And, and this preacher was saying, that's what Jesus was dreading the most, to be separated from the Father. Because he spent every waking moment in prayer, every waking moment just meditating on the Father 
and uh, just just leading people, performing miracles. And while, yeah, obviously the the, the gruesome nature of the, of the physical pain, the one thing that he just did not want to experience was that 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 brief separation when he had to take on all that sin. But I, I thought that was like amazing. That just goes to show how how amazing our Lord and Savior is. That's that that's the what thought came to my exactly. Head. And the moment that exactly no, and the moment that you don't trust or you, that you don't wake up and. You don't look at Christ interceding for you. You don't acknowledge that. You're going back to that living that separation that Christ came to conquer, you know. Christ came so that you're never forsaken. That's why it was so hard for him because I believe that at some, like, he even kind of realized that, like, man, this is what they had to live through. They were separated from the Father because of the Adamic sin from, from the Garden of Eden, you know. And that that's that's the epitical moment of, the entire like death of Jesus Christ is the fact that he was forsaken by God. His own son was forsaken by the father so that we can never experience that. Yet when we wake up every morning and we don't acknowledge him, we're going back to that separation where we don't run to the prayer closet, where we don't run to his word. That is the bread of life. We're trusting our bread to be the life where we don't run to him, that he is the living water. We're trusting for the waters of this world to quench our thirst, you know, and, we're no longer using the method that it's called to bring us united, uh, to bring us close to Christ. And when you mentioned the Garden of Gethsemane, I remember I preached one time, and while I do, uh, while I did my uh, my studies on it, uh, it's powerful because Gethsemane it means olives, and in the Garden of Gethsemane today, there's still olive trees from the time of Jesus Christ. And in that entire picture, as you said, Jesus Christ is on his knees and he's saying, uh, you know, if uh, this cup is so heavy, if it's your will, depart from me, but uh, not my will, but your will be done, you know. And he even cries or he even prays and he cries, he, he sweats blood. <laughs> That's what it says. So personally, the way that I look at it, he was pressed. He was pressed by this. When you take an olive and you wanted to make it, a pure wine, the best wine out there. That olive literally gets pressed like one, two, three times until every single ounce of oil comes out of that olive. Why? Because that oil is so precious that they don't want to waste it because they already pressed the olive. So why would they waste the oil of it? So they keep on pressing it and pressing it and pressing it until it makes the purest, purest of oils. Now that oil it was used for lamps in the temple. And I'm telling you right now, in our temple of the Holy Spirit, which is our hearts, if you don't have the oil of Jesus Christ, which goes back to him being pressed down on the cross for you, literally, his body was broken. He was pressed so hard until uh, until there was nothing left on his like on his body like to, to beat anymore. You know, it was hard to look at. Um, he was so pressed. That when you run away from him, you're running away to the purest of oils. <laughs> you're running away to the one that was pressed for you. And Garden of Gethsemane, it's so powerful because it stands it stands as an outlook towards Jerusalem. So during that time, because it was a time of fighting and battles, what Garden of Gethsemane was, you wanted to see if your enemy was approaching. You would go to the Garden of Gethsemane and you would see when the enemy was approaching Jerusalem and its walls. And Jesus Christ literally went to that outlook for us. And he said, listen, I'm in here and I'm going to look for the enemy that is drawing near to beat you, to destroy you, to kill you, to make a fool of you. And I'm out looking for you. I'm being pressed in that place for you. And I'm willing to fight for you to go all the way till death. And when we go to our garden, that's why it's so important 
to uh, to look at Easter and as uh, at the uh, crucifixion and the resurrection as a moment of reflection towards ourselves, uh, the communion. When we do that, we understand the fact that we have to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. We have to go and get pressed. That's why trials and tribulations to Apostle Paul to uh, to uh, uh, to Barnabas to Silas to all these people that that were in prison. It didn't really mean much. Why? Because they understood that they were being pressed in their garden of Gethsemane, just as Christ was. And it's so powerful because Apostle Paul says, if Christ needed to suffer more, I'm willing to suffer that in my flesh. And that can only be done when you have that pure oil from Jesus Christ in your lamp. Wow, that's that's a fantastic example. I've, I've never heard of that, but that's that's it just really comes full circle. I, I, I'm, I love that. That's awesome. Um, but... Yeah, so the, res- the the crucifixion where Jesus is taking, like you said, all that pressure in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, not wanting to be separated from the Father, but but doing so as a sacrifice to bear all of our sins so that we may not be forsaken, so that we have a chance at eternal life. Um, and one kind of like, as we, as we wrap this uh, episode up, one kind of final topic I want to talk about, because we did focus upon the death of, 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 uh, of Jesus Christ on the cross, um, why is it important? Why is it so important to our Christian faith that he resurrected three days later? Later, um, Just because we know that he bore the sin and he, he took the punishment in his death. But then why do, why do we as Christians celebrate the resurrection afterwards if uh, he already paid, uh, if he already uh, had the atonement of sin and already paid the debt for our sin in his death? Why is the resurrection so important? Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried buried with him through baptism into death. So we believe in the death of Jesus Christ because it's what must be done for our sins. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so it's beautiful because that moment of separation from the Father was just up until resurrection because the glory of the Father came down and resurrected him. It's so powerful. Even so, we also should walk in the newness of life for we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly, we shall be in the likeness crucified with him if sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin. If you want to understand why resurrection is so important. Understand that resurrection is what puts away the old man of sin. As we read again, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. If you believe just in the death of Jesus Christ, you are not resurrecting. (laughs) And what you're doing is you are choosing to live dead but to live not resurrected (laughs) you have the opportunity all you have to do is believe in the resurrection and when you believe in the resurrection you're no longer waking up to the old man but that's where the new creation comes in that's where you will be transformed by the renewal of your mind and what was old has been gone away and the new now comes out and for us christians this passage has read a lot of baptisms excuse me, when we get baptized into water, um, that's what uh, one of the significations of it is that we put off our old self. So if we want to look at resurrection as to why it's important, I believe that 
if you believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the, the, the Lord and, and the Savior of the world, if you believe that he came into this world for your sins, for my sins, if you believe in the death of Jesus Christ, then that's enough for you to believe in the resurrection because only then will you truly, truly be put away with the old man. But that's the hard part because let's be honest, we love the old man. <laughs> mm-hmm. but we spend so much time with it. Somebody once said, man, we were born into sin. And for me, up until the age of 18, 19, I was still my old man. <laughs> so I'm 27 right now. That's what, seven to eight years of my mouth is right about there, seven to nine years. I'm expecting an experience from seven to nine years to have a greater impact on my life than an experience from the moment I was born up until I was 18. Like it, we've lived so much in the old man that it's only through Christ's death and resurrection that we can truly put away from him <laughs> because we're so tied to him. We were literally born into it. <laughs> That's how connected we are to the old man. But the beautiful thing about it is the fact that when you go to Christ and when you go to his word, his word is a double-edged sword <laughs> that cuts through any bindings. And it could cut through the binding of your old man and your new man that wants to resurrect. It can cut through the binding of you being born into sin, living into sin. It can cut that off. But that is only by the living and the powerful word of God, which is we have it. And my pastor always says this. If we want, if you want a prophecy in your life, just run to the Bible. The entire Bible is a prophecy <laughs> Amen to that on on more than one level. I I love that last statement, but um, but it, it's interesting to think because the Bible tells us that we are a new creation in Christ. That it is no no longer the I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And then the whole concept of 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 uh, having the resurrection kind of being that final piece to it, kind of goes back to John three, where Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus about being born again. We as people cannot or could have never been born again if Christ hadn't resurrected. Because then, like you said, we're still that old man. We're still that old person uh, born into sin through, through the through the Adamic sin, like you said. Every every uh, man that was born into this world was born into sin except for Jesus Christ because of the Immaculate Conception, because of the virgin birth. Um, and, and that's that. But we as sinners, because we're born into it, we have to be born again and only through like you said the death of Jesus Christ which we which a lot of people acknowledge and that's why I wanted to make this distinction because I mean Jews historians uh, Islam they all for the most part acknowledge that Jesus was a prophet a good prophet a good teacher and that he died the history books kind of account for that but what what the vast majority of them don't believe or the, the non-believers what they don't believe is that he rose again that's something that they completely deny. So that's why I really wanted to to focus on this because it is so important for our faith that that he was he was he has risen and he is still alive today because only through that can we born again be born again and only through that are we just covered with grace as we are today and as we are tomorrow and, and until until the Lord comes again. But I just I just thought that was so important for us to hear, especially um, for a lot of young people out there who are maybe maturing to a certain point where they're, they're starting to understand what the meaning of this holiday is and why we celebrate it. 100%. I agree. And uh, 
the story of Nicodemus is one that's, uh, I think it's very true importance because he asked a logical question that I think a lot of people are thinking. He says, how can one of old be born again? <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but that's the entire beauty of it, that it's only through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that that can happen again, physically, humanly, or spiritually possible. Uh, and a lot of us, we love John 3.16 because we all know it, you know, <laughs> for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But the beauty of that is, and the beauty of Easter Christmas, uh, uh, of Easter communion, uh, resurrection and crucifixion is the fact that when you look at yourself is that you understand that you have to be born again. You understand the fact, and it goes back to that reflection that we're speaking throughout this entire uh, 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 podcast, that we must reflect on ourselves and our actions daily, because then you understand that it's not by your strength, it's not by your power, because I cannot be born again, literally, as an old man, <laughs> as a 27-year-old, no, but it's Christ that does that, and in your head, in my mind, in my thoughts, in my heart, all these characteristics that I have that are 27 years old, because that's how old I am. Christ comes in, he cuts them, and he gives me new characteristics. He gives me new thoughts, new mind, new ideas, a new life, a new creation, a, a new uh, a transformed by the renewal of the mind. That's where that comes in, because now you are born again. You're no longer living as you did. And a lot of Christians, a lot of people try just to, uh, to amplify, to change a little bit their thoughts of the old self. That's why they can't put away with addictions, with sins, with uh, uh, with all these um, struggles that they have is because they're still trying to hold on to the thoughts, the ideas of old. And when they come to Christ, they just want to put a little bit of flowers into it. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> they want yeah. to make it look pretty. But no, Christ, Christ comes and he says, you have to put away with your old self, crucify it. That's the part that it's hard to crucify because you're crucifying something that you have loved for like I said, for me, it was for 18, 19 years. I've loved my old flesh, myself, and I have to crucify that. But that's the price of it. That's why I want to finish on this thought. Um, and then I'm not sure if you want to ask me something else. But listen, man, my Christ, my Christ he is not cheap. A lot of Christians preach this cheap salvation, this cheap gospel. No, no, no. My Christ, my Bible, my scriptures is asking for you to crucify your flesh, for you to put away with everything that you have loved, for you to put away with everything that gives you pleasures and satisfaction that's of this world, and to literally deny yourself. It says, it, 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 in one part, it even says to hate your life, to hate yourself. And that's what makes you worthy of being his disciples. We have to understand that. And that's the beauty of Easter, uh, of uh, the resurrection and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, I think that was a great statement to end on. Uh, I was going to ask, like, what's one, like, final statement you want to make as we go into Easter? But I think you, you, you hit it on the nail right there. And, and, and I think that's amazing that, that Jesus gave all, all of himself. God gave his only begotten son for us. And then it's, it's while we do live under grace, while we do make mistakes, we have to surrender all to him. And I, I think that's a great great tone, great note to, to kind of end on. But Andreas, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be on here. I really appreciate you taking your time, uh, just praying about it, fasting about it, just just doing all you can to like really make an impact on people's lives, not only in this podcast episode, but 
in San Antonio, wherever you're going, uh, it, it's a great impact that you're making uh, on on Christ's behalf. So uh, thank you for thank you for that. Hundred really percent, more. Um, it's my pleasure. It's an honor. Uh, praise God. All glory be to Jesus Christ. I could tell you one thing. I, I even made notes for this, but I, none of the notes were read, were looked at, because it was a conversation that was led by the Holy Spirit. It was revealing to myself. Um, and my only prayer is that it reveals, it changes the life of others. And this Easter, we all realize that Christ is not cheap, that he's asking for everything of ourselves. Amen. Amen. And Andreas, if people want to reach out to you, uh, if they want to find you on the internet, uh, whether it's social media or or that's pretty much it, social media, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me on Instagram. It's uh, dr. A-Y underscore D-R-A uh, Dre Dre um, There you will see uh, different types of posts Mainly lately it's just my family posts I'm not very active on it I plan to get on it um, I am serving a lot in my church um, Our church does a great job of translating our uh, The pastor's sermons Live translation And I have the privilege and the honor of being one of those translators Where almost every Sunday the pastor wants the youth, the American community, and our church has Mexicans that are members, has Russians, has Hungarians that are members, um, and he wants everyone, everyone in the community to understand the gospel. So they can look on YouTube at Betania Church San Antonio. Uh, I'm saying that with a really fob accent just <laughs> so they understand the fact that it's Betania uh, Church uh, uh, San Antonio, if they put that in. Um, they will see this picture of what looks like a Bible with two fish hooks in the middle. Um, and um, that's that's our church. Um, so reach out to me, DM me, um, and let's keep this conversation going. And um, I encourage you all to have good and fruitful conversations with those around you. Um, so Marcus is not the only one that has to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Always encouraging for that. So thanks again, Andres. And thank you guys uh, so much for listening to this episode. Um, I know this is right before Easter and maybe you got a lot, you got family in town or you have the festivities, you have the rehearsals. I I know what you're going through. Trust me. Uh, but thank you for listening. I hope, uh, it was engaging. It was fruitful and I hope it had a great impact on your life. And I hope you really take it to heart as we're celebrating this time of year, uh, every single year, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, um, again, just a couple announcements. You can follow us on our Instagram at the Potter's house. Uh, we're streaming on multiple platforms, most notably Spotify and Apple Podcast. Again, if you have an iPhone, please go to that purple icon, the Apple Podcast iPod, uh, icon, and uh, scroll down, tap the stars. It'll help the exposure of the show. Also, if you want to leave a written review, I will read those out loud too, and I would greatly appreciate it. So thank you guys so much. Have a happy Easter. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, and he is living eternally, interceding on our behalf. So thank you guys so much, and we will see you next time. <laughs>